Welcome to the Earspoon. This is Fish, and we have started a special line of interviewing called A Call to Action. We hope to distribute as much quality information to you about an ever-changing landscape, but please keep in mind, as it does change often, so might this information. It's all dated, and by all means, before acting on any of it, verify it. And as all Earspoon podcasts, it is presented to you by Mocha Joe's. If you live locally, they are offering curbside pickup, and they're still doing shipping through their website, mochajoes.com. Welcome to A Call to Action, a series presented by Great Eastern Radio and Brattleboro Community Television. We're covering many different topics, from sheltering in place to scams that pop up during a time of crisis. Today, we're talking with CEO of CNS Wholesale Grocers, Mike Duffy. CNS is the largest wholesale grocer supply in the, comp- in the nation and an industry leader in the supply chain. So obviously, guess what we're talking about today, Mike? <laughs> One guess, food, right? Grocery. Yeah. That's it. Well, thank you for doing a call to action Absolutely. today. We appreciate it. Uh, first and foremost, um, l- let's let's get into this. And it, it seems to me, as a layman who has a very basic understanding of how our supply chain works, that the folks in, at CNS have really kind of stepped up, and things seem to be flowing fairly well. Is is that a good assumption? Yeah, I, I think so. And and thank you. I think um, first we have a history of leading in times of great challenge uh, for over a hundred years, and keeping our communities fed is one of our core. It's our purpose and mission. And this has been no different. So it truly has been inspirational to watch our people rise to the occasion and help keep the nearly 20 million Americans who rely on us each week for food fed. So I think all things considered, it's gone well. Could it be better? Of course. Uh, But I think given um, everything going on, it's holding up pretty well. Okay, great. Um, so let's discuss the actual supply chain and, and, and how that works a little bit, like how the food gets to the warehouse and like, you know, how does a bag of chips end up going from wherever it originates to my grocer's food shelf? Well, it probably starts in Idaho with the potatoes. All right. So then the, the farmers will ship uh, their product to the manufacturer. Uh, the manufacturer then process it and, and slice it and do everything they do and put it in the bags. Uh, from there, they will typically ship to their own warehouse, uh, and then their warehouse will ship to us, and then in turn, we will ship to the stores. So it's a process that's uh, obviously multi-step, multi-week, uh, but it's a very defined supply chain. So so obviously, you probably, and, and, and maybe I'm making, uh, simplifying this too much, but you might have an employee that's just in charge of buying chips for the warehouse. That's correct. That's yeah. correct. So. Yep. so. Okay. Yeah, and they work. That's a good point. So they work, and we work daily, uh, especially now in certain categories. So they work daily with their retail customers and partners to understand, uh, hey, I think I'm going to buy 100 units next week and 100 the week after. So they'll work to try to get a demand plan or forecast for the next 6, 12, 13 weeks. And in turn, they also work upstream with the manufacturer to relay that information because we're not just shipping to one customer. So they'll aggregate the volume from all the customers and say, hey, in total, it looks like I'm going to buy a thousand next week and the following week. So then the manufacturer takes that data from us, from other wholesalers and other customers that they may ship direct. They pull it together into a manufacturing plan that then they can work with their farmers to make sure they get ample supply. Uh, of potatoes in this case, for example, film for the bags or whatever other raw uh, materials or ingredients ingredients they may need. That process happens every month, every week, every day, 
Uh, but a lot of times the cycles only get updated monthly in the manufacturing environment. But today, given what's going on, they're changing and looking at schedules every week. Right. Um, so things that happen, uh, like the uh, here's what, one of the headlines I saw was that we were running out of meat, and I I I mean as a, as a rational individual, I don't know how that happens, but how, does that happen? Is there a possibility of that happening? I mean, are we running out of meat? No, I, I think right now the, the supply in total is uh, ample to meet the current demand of people. Um, it's just at different places in the supply chain now. The cumulative effect or impact if uh, packers and processors continue to shut down will strain or further stress the supply chain. And if the consumer goes to the store and just sweeps the shelves and buys everything available, that will put a lot of pressure on the supply chain and then we'll get worried. But there's enough, in, uh, enough supply in aggregate to meet, like I said, current demand levels. But if, if more plants or packers go down or people you know, hoard meat like they did the toilet paper at the beginning, then you're gonna see spot outages. But right now we have a healthy supply of inventory. Right. So let, let, let's, since you brought it up, let's talk about the, the, the toilet paper. And I, I don't even know, is that, is that a product that CNS will distribute? Yes. Yeah. So how, what, how do you handle something like that? That is, that was, uh, first of all, one of the most bizarre things I think I've ever seen this country do. <laughs> it still is. Yeah. <laughs> I think people are going to be putting it in their wills for their grandkids. Yeah. Um, it is a, uh, I would say most of the uh, paper processors, like for toilet paper, they run their plants six days a week, uh, typically already. So with this surge in demand, uh, it puts a lot of pressure on them to catch up. So they can maybe add, maybe at max 30% capacity by adding uh, additional shifts, putting off uh, maintenance, eliminating changeovers. So they're working overtime now in the factories to try to catch up to the demand. But when you have a 300% increase of uh, demand at retail and the supply chain is only designed for 30% increase, it's hard. It takes time to catch up. So I think the paper fully stocked shelves for paper is still probably months away. Okay. Oh, really? Interesting. I mean, I have been seeing as I go into the stores, I've been seeing it. And, and I have to be honest with you, I, I passed by some toilet paper the other day and I have enough at home, but I thought maybe I should buy some. And it was, I don't want to be that guy. So I didn't. Exactly. Uh, so, um, all right. If Now, COVID-19 protocols have, clear to say, put a lot of strain on our frontline workers. Uh, and, and for as it applies to you, the warehouse selectors, truck drivers, loaders, all that, um, has, has, it re- has it put a strain on your day-to-day? Yeah, absolutely. Um, our people are working incredibly, incredible hours and shifts to keep up with demand. But, uh, and they've been awesome. And, uh, you know, they rose to the challenge. Like I said, you know, we, a lot of companies look for a narrative in time, times of crisis to, uh, to bring it to their people. We didn't need it because that, that's who we are keeping our communities fed. So they rose to the challenge, but we did make policy changes to make sure they feel they stay safe and healthy. So the first week people were working 14, 15 hour shifts and come back the next day. We've capped that at 12 because the last thing we want people to do is get really tired and then get hurt because there's nothing worse if somebody gets hurt, especially being tired. We modified our six sick leave and PTO or paid time off policies and practices so people don't feel compelled to come home to, or come to work if they don't feel well. We want them to stay home. Okay. We're pro- providing uh, the personal protection equipment like masks, thermometers, so they can check their temperature at home. But the more we can do, you know, we're trying to do everything we can first and foremost to keep our people safe and healthy. 
uh, but then also providing uh, other flexible work arrangements um, so that if they don't feel well or don't feel safe, that they can still be productive in a different environment. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I think that answers the question. Because I, I know that those warehouse selectors and those folks are, you know, they're working hard. They're lifting boxes. They're moving things. So it's hard. So good, good. that's really nice that you guys were able to kind of pivot and, and readjust the, those policies. Yeah. And that, I mean, the other thing we're doing, frankly, is hiring and adding capacity to help them both um, just get more throughput through the buildings and uh, give them a break. So in the last four weeks, we've hired almost a thousand new warehouse associates right. with the goal of hiring about 1,400 more. And you've probably seen or probably read, we've partnered with food service distributors like Cisco, US Food, PFG, uh, who have been negatively hit with the downturn because they serve restaurants. Right. So we've brought a lot of their folks into our buildings to uh, A, keep them employed, but again, to, to give our people a break as well as improve capacity. All right, so you guys, it's safe to say, it sounds like you guys have really thought this thing through. Yeah, it's, um, we have, I think, um, but everybody's learning every day. It's, yeah. um, you know, we all have our business continuity plans that we stress test every year. Uh, and we do, we do the same. And, you know, they get tested through hurricane season in the southeast or blizzards, obviously, up northeast. But this is one of the so-called black swan events that uh, it's really hard to prepare for. So the best thing we can do, and we do, we, we have a twice a day crisis management team call with the leadership, with my staff. Uh, to see what decisions we have to make, where do we have to pivot? Are there new learnings that we got to quickly adopt and reapply? So there's things we we continue to learn each and every day, uh, both on ourselves with ourselves and talking to our partners in the manufacturing and retail environment. Right, and that, and that, that that's got to be uh, completely a, a key element to keeping that supply chain moving. Absolutely, absolutely, because things are fluid uh, and they change every day. And there may be, you know, we may have an issue with trucks or we may have an issue with the trucks couldn't get an appointment at our warehouse. So we've got to be constantly communicating to make sure a product continues to flow. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it, it's a lot of moving parts. I don't, I don't envy the position, but it sounds like you guys are, are tooled to do that. That's, that's great. Absolutely. So again, as you said, you call this a black swan, uh, a black swan moment, and I think that that's correct because it's not like you're dealing with a blizzard in the Northeast while California is flowing well. This is this is nationwide, um, and CNS, at, at least for for our region, and I imagine throughout, has always been a very com uh, generous community partner. And I'm sure with these unprecedented times, like what we're going through, you, you guys have to be flooded with additional asks. Have you guys created new protocols around around that? Well, I think what we, you're right, everybody, and you see the, the TV pictures were just, which are just very sobering of the lines at the food banks, but uh, we, re we launched relief initiatives for state and national organizations responding to the crisis uh, and committed our support efforts to national partner donations. So we provide financial do donations to support national nonprofits such as Feeding America, mm -hmm. First Book, and United Way, who are assisting with response and recovery efforts. And we've had uh, relationships with these uh, associations over the years. We're also working with local food banks to provide donations uh, where we can, that will get food to obviously the countless families who need it. But uh, we're trying to really focus in our, our, our resources on those who we've partnered with uh, for a long time and over the years. Um, and it's always hard to say no to people, but there's only so many resources that uh, can be deployed. Well, also, in, in, in what I know around working with nonprofits and all that, there, there, there is a way to do this and do it correctly. And, and it, although 
I, I know what you're saying that that it's hard to say no to people who are in need. Um, you have to kind of give to these bigger organizations who can filter it down and probably do more good with the same amount of money. That's so, right. That's right. Know. They get they have scale benefits and you know other things that uh, make sure that uh, it's an effective and efficient use of resources. That's right. Okay. Um, with the understanding that nobody could have ever predicted this, uh, and, and again, I think we've alluded to it in, in terminology that, uh, that, that I like to use is we're all trying to fix the car while it's moving, That's right. the airplane while it's in flight. Um, how would you rate your uh, CNS's overall um, reaction and, and response to the pandemic? I think, well, I'd split it into two things. I think effort a 10, I mean a 10 plus on a one to 10. They're, 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 people have been really heroic in working and finding creative or innovative solutions to keep product flowing uh, through the supply chain. But I'd say we have opportunities to improve just like, like every other companies, the government um, um, in terms of process communication. I think, like I said, we learn every day and every day we get smarter and uh, we build on those improvements. Uh, and it will certainly, you know, God forbid it would happen again in the future, we would be much better prepared. But um, I think that the effort of, of everybody has been tremendous. But um, like I said, you know, we learn every day and uh, we know we can do things better. Okay. Well, you know, as, as I said, there's no, the systems we put into play today in something like this will often change tomorrow. So a little bit of patience and, and, and just taking guidance from the folks that are in the know. So let me, let me um, I want to give you a platform to say maybe a few things. One thing to anybody who, who would walk into a grocery store right now, because there's been a lot of terrible stories that have been yeah. popping up um, about how people are being treated, those, cash, the, those uh, folks that are the cashiers working the counters and the things. What would the one thing you would be saying to somebody who walked in? I'd probably say two things. First, thank the workers. And um, the best way to thank them is respect the social distancing and other safety measures that retailers have put in place. Just respect the boundaries, respect the asks. Um, they were put in place to create a safe environment for everyone, not just you as a shopper or consumer, but the employee as well. So I think the best thing you can do is thank, thank them is by respecting those um, social distancing. And then going back to something you said before, second, just buy what you need for the week. You know, just because there's five cans of cut green beans on the shelf doesn't mean you need to take them all. You know, right. take the one you need for the week and then come back next week because we can catch up and replenish the system and make the shelves full again. But we need to work together across the supply chain to do so. Yeah, no, I think that's all really good sound advice, especially now with we see grocers. I know just just um, utilizing our own local co-ops co who have been doing literally the physical shopping and curbside delivery right. um, and and um, those things. And, and they are limiting and people are unfortunately having to limit uh, people. So, yeah, I think just take what you need. I think that's really sound advice. My, any, anything you think we've left out of today's conversation? I don't think so. I think um, certainly one thing, uh, and we learn every day too, is the public-private partnership. And we've, uh, we've received great support um, from our friends in New Hampshire. And it's, um, there's a lot of opportunities for us to improve together, um, especially around communication and sequencing. Uh, and we're learning together. But the best thing is we have an open dialogue and open uh, channels of communication. And in doing, opening those up, it allows us to work together to help all our communities. Great. Mike, thanks so much for explaining the supply chain. I think it's a big help. It helps people understand it. That's what this, this whole program of Call to Action is all about, just kind of getting out information 
firsthand. Um, really, I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your what's got to be a completely trying and busy schedule for you. It's busy, but uh, anytime. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to a special segment of the Earspoon called A Call to Action as we navigate the waters of a worldwide pandemic. More information will follow. And as always, be safe and be six feet apart.